Scishow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Hello and welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive science knowledge showcase. I'm your host, Hank Green, and joining me this week, as always, is science expert, Sari Riley. Hello. And our resident everyman, Sam Schultz. Hi. It was a long October. It was very spooky, and we're all very tired after our long, spooky Halloween. I've heard that, Sari, that you, you overindulged on Halloween. Is that right? What did you drink? What did you have? I drank so much ectoplasm. It just kept pouring out of my walls and I scooped it up and put it right in my tummy. And now I have the worst ghostly hangover. I think she had a whole ghost. At least one. One ghost worth of ectoplasm. Not what you're supposed to do with it. I did the pumpkin challenge. Is where you fill a pumpkin with vodka and then every day you drink a little bit of it until at the very end you just have like the grossest vodka. (laughs) And you have to finish oh. it on Halloween. Did, how did that go for you? You put a lot of nutmeg in. Is oh. the, is the, that's how you sort of balance it actually it out. sounds really it's, nice. It's a spicy mold. <laughs> <laughs> what did you have, Sam? Uh, I didn't drink anything, but somebody just hit me in the head with a big axe. So, <laughs> so that was Did you get too. him back? No, I, yeah. I died. <laughs> we all have we all have headaches today two of us one of us drank a ghost one of us drank a pumpkin full of vodka and one of us got axe murdered (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's definitely not October 25th, and we're lying also. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it October 31st right now for them? No, it's November something. We had a rerun last week, so it's even oh, later. We had, a, it's we had hangovers later. for two weeks long. Wow. Oh, then I really would have been That's going to be super confusing then uh, if, if it's coming out <laughs> November 7th. Yeah, they'll, they'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we got really, really drunk. Well, it's also if it's coming out November 7th, you're halfway through your chance to sign up for this year's Awesome Socks Club, where all of our socks profit goes to charity. But also, it's a delight every week. I mean, month. You get a different pair of socks designed by a different independent artist delivered right to your door. And we now have ankle socks as well as the mid-calf cruise that we've always had. So we got ankle socks and we're shipping out of the European Union if you don't want to pay those those pesky customs fees. And uh, for shipping is free. And you can go to awesomesocks.club to sign up right now. You're such a pro, Hank. Yeah, well. Turn that one right around. (laughs) (laughs) I I need to know when these episodes are coming out. I got a promotion schedule. I need people to know about the the wonderful amazingness of the Awesome Socks Club. I'm wearing the socks right now. They're very comfortable. We work very hard to make them very cozy and comfortable, including Sam's lovely fiance, Rachel who yeah. is uh, one of the main main drivers of the Awesome Socks Club. We have so many socks here, Hank. We got to stop. Uh, uh, yeah, I, will, I can't tilt my camera down, <laughs> but like I am I am also all socked up right now. Yep. But they're great socks. They're beautiful. They're great, beautiful socks. They are. But that's not what we came here to talk about today. What did we come here to talk about today? Every week here on Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts while also trying to stay on topic. Our panelists are playing for glory and for Hank Bucks, which I'll be awarding as we play. And at the end of the episode, one of them will be crowned the winner. Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem. It's not socks. This week from Sam. A splinter, a hangnail, a headache, a stitch, a paper cut, contusion, a fracture, an itch, a tumble, a slip, a sprain, a bruise, a sore throat, a slip disc, a bug bite, the blues, a slip on the Mm. ice, a punch in the nose, a sty in the eye, or a stomp on the toes, a bump on the noggin, a burn from a flame, to be gored, stabbed, or shoved, to be mauled, to be maimed, from bad news to bad food, from a scrape to a hit, pain helps us navigate the world, but that doesn't mean it's not bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) pain is the episode uh is the thing in the show that we're talking about today which is 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 necessary and important and also often malfunctions into territory of being pure bs but also um even even when it's doing its job correctly it's no fun tell you that i wish when i had a headache i could just say okay i understand body i do have a headache you can stop alerting me to the fact now (laughs) there isn't anything i can do to fix this problem so stop telling me about it Mm -hmm. but no we don't have that power and this is i don't think going to be an easy one but sari what is pain no it's not an easy one but i'll i'll take i'll take a stab at it so according to researchers who study pain it is both a sensory and emotional experience okay that is associated with actual internal or external tissue damage mm-hmm. or potential damage oh yeah and mm. any descriptions around that from what i can find we use pain pretty loosely to to apply to all animals like 
because it is a, a common and easy word and we get the concept of owie hurt it hurts. Mm-hmm. Do animals hurt? I don't know. Let's use the word pain to ask those questions about everything. Mm. In humans, the biopsychosocial model of pain is what a lot of people use, which is uh, a combination of biological factors, so how your body physically responds to a trauma, um, psychological factors, so how your brain responds to that trauma, and then social factors, so how we as social animals respond to pain differently if we're putting on a show for others or if our culture has told us that our pain isn't valid hmm. how do you how does that change your experience of pain and when we talk about pain in non-human animals it seems like the general trend is to specifically call it nociception which mm. is tissue injury like how mm. how do they respond and react to tissue injury and what kind of negative stimuli are sent through the nervous system. And Mm -hmm. if there are less complex nervous systems, then you start getting into language of like, how do they just respond to noxious stimuli? Do they crawl away or wiggle whatever bacteria do wiggle, wiggle bad uh, or stop eating (laughs) or like not go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So the researchers say that that's an important part of pain is the emotional aspect of it. Like that's an mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I don't like this being being like the sort of like simplest version of the emotion. But like, can you not like something if you are a worm? We're not sure. Right. Like, is okay. it like do they have liking and not liking, or do they have just sort of like react when when certain biochemical pathways are triggered, react in certain ways? So we think that the reason for pain is to alert us to something bad. Mm -hmm. And that's like the idea of pain as a protection, a layer of protection biologically, psychologically to, ouch, I'm touching a hot thing. Or, oh no, an axe murderer bonked me on the head. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) You know, all the the situations in which you may not know something bad is happening and then Mm -hmm. your body is alerting you to tissue damage that's happening that maybe you can prevent in some way yeah. or treat after the yeah. fact. Hmm. But then the the systems get so complicated that we end up with pain even in situations when we don't need to have it. Yeah. And so there's this category of non-protective pain, which mm. is everything else that scientists don't quite understand. So like the, the chronic pains that come with terminal cancer or nerve mm-hmm. injuries or migraines mm-hmm. when Total who knows yeah. what your body when you get that weird ache in your shoulder and yep. did you do something bad? I don't know. You slept weird. It's not telling you anything that you can change <laughs> right or now. Do. Yeah. It's, it's like, what yeah. why uh, do I have that? Rubbing it doesn't help. Stretching it doesn't help. Nothing helps. It's just there. Thanks. Yeah. But we, but and we, we know developed what it, is. it to, like, to protect ourselves. But then yes. we also ended up with kinds of pain that that really don't do that job. And I think of a lot of the things that we define on the podcast it is we say a lot like you know when you see it you know a hole when you see it you know i don't know a frog when you see it uh (laughs) but not always but pain is is very much a human experience Mm -hmm. and it's like you know your pain more than anyone else knows your pain right uh and it's so subjective to the point where even scientists like any anything neurosciencey i 
I consistently think that in a couple hundred years, we'll look back on what we know now and be like, oh, we were so, we didn't know anything about yes, the brain. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah. Like this is, this is the area in which medical technology is preventing us from learning so much mm. about it, or just like we haven't studied it long enough. And so pain is one of those things where we have these scales, we have, we have these yeah. subjective tests where we have people report demographic information about themselves and then ask them to rate their pain on a number scale. And those are all mm -hmm. over the place because yeah. we have no good way of equalizing these sensations of pain because they're so multifaceted across right. different people. You know what I've so always thought is that we should have a, a set a scale for pain and you like just make the noise that the pain would be. Cool. So like my back hurts a little bit right now and the noise is like, but like quieter than that like it's like that's that's what it hurt that's how it feels would louder be hurt more when, yeah louder is more but then there's like also bad. like okay. like sharp pain and dull pain like though like you we know what those things mean but i like i feel mm -hmm. like if i stub my toe it's like <laughs> that's the noise <laughs> Yeah, I, wanna, I just want to go to the doctor and the doctor be like, what is it on a scale of like to like <laughs> Hank, I think I've broken your system already because even when I bump into something and I don't experience pain, I say, ow, I don't know why <laughs> I like feel bad. <laughs> I bump into the chair. I go, ow. ow. And then I really think about it and like, I don't no hurt pain. at all. I just, there's owed. none. <laughs> I just out because that's my reaction to bumping into something. So Next my time you have a pain, try and make the noise. Do it in voice memos and send it to me. Okay, okay. everybody, do that to Hank. Send them, send them tweets <laughs> of a bunch you of screaming DMs. in Your various pain ways. Noises. <laughs> Actually, look, I'll just send it to me on Twitter. I'll listen. I want to hear your yeah. pain. It sounds like a very caring sentiment. Like, I want to hear your pain. But yes. no, from Hank, but it's no, like, really, I want to hear I, your weird noise that you make. <laughs> Do we know anything about the etymology of the word pain? So pain comes from the Latin pina, like a subpoena that you issue yeah. to someone to summon oh. them to. Is it like drawing your attention to something? Is that what it is? No. no, it's for uh, punishment or penalty or retribution. Oh, so a subpoena no is fun. specifically requiring a defendant to come to court to answer a charge or a penalty that is issued uh, against them. Okay. Or And it's like sub subject to penalty if you don't comply. Mm. So that's why it's a subpoena. So that's where pain comes from. But nociception also comes from a Latin root of nocere, which means to do harm or noxious is unwholesome or harmful like th those words the nos nosferatu is it nosferatu <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah definitely nosferatu <laughs> it means a, a really bad ferratu <laughs> but next we are gonna do the quiz portion of our show where i've got a, a quiz for the two of you are do you want to do that yeah think, yeah okay. i guess so okay good so pain is of course while unpleasant, a necessary part of our experience of life, it helps our bodies identify potentially harmful situations. But as familiar as pain can be, it sometimes manifests or does not manifest in strange or acutely unwelcome ways. The following are three strange scientific stories about pain, but only one of them is true. Can you tell me which one it is? Is it story number one? To help dogs prepare for dental surgery, a veterinarian designed a dog pacifier that has a painkiller dissolved in the material 
and the dog sucks on the pacifier. <laughs> no, painkiller is slowly released into their mouth so that it can work directly where the surgery no. uh, happened. Dog don't have lips. Dogs can't suck on a bat. Okay, what are their? Just imagine a little dog with its little purse lip. You know, it's specifically made for doggy mouths. Or it could be be story number two. Scientists studying cats realized that the cats are able to distribute their weight on their paws to minimize pain while walking on sharp surfaces. To confirm this, scientists filled a room with Legos and monitored the cats for pain as they navigated this precarious landscape. Or hmm. scientists are weird. You know, you know, scientists are weird. <laughs> but it also could be story number three. Scientists have found that a flesh-eating bacteria pokes holes in pain receptors using a toxin. This has the double effect of making the infection extremely painful, but also cutting off signals to immune cells that would alert them to the bacteria's presence. So you got cats, dogs, and flesh-eating bacteria. bacteria. <laughs> kind of thought you were going to a theme there. The, the three best pe- pets. <laughs> so it yeah, could three be best th- peats. My dog Pete, my cat Pete, and my flesh-eating <laughs> bacteria Pete. <laughs> so it could be the veterinarians designing a painkiller pacifier for dogs, scientists constructing a Lego labyrinth for cats, or flesh-eating bacteria poking holes in your pain cells. Uh, it's protecting themselves from your immune system. So they stop you from feeling pain as much. Is that what they're doing? So no, they make not... you feel pain more, but they mess up the oh. systems the, the the systems that the immune system used to transfer information, apparently. So you hurt a lot, but your body doesn't can't no. defend against them. So it's all bad. I'm very not in favor of flesh-eating bacteria. If if this is the one, that's very worrying because yeah. I don't like pain. And you like your flesh? You know, as opposed to not having it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It's not usually, I don't like look in the mirror and say, nice, I like that flesh. But (laughs) But if you had looked in the mirror and you had a skull for a face, you'd say, gosh, I missed it. (laughs) I didn't appreciate it while I was here. That's Mm -hmm. right. Exactly right. The other two seem so so goofy compared to it like flesh eating bacteria poking holes in neurons (laughs) it's like okay this is we're talking about science here yeah and then it's like oh here's my cat some legos are on the ground here's my dog here's a little pacifier (laughs) like like a freaking baby yeah two two of them are cartoons and then there's flesh eating bacteria staring me in the face yeah this is cheating i like to keep it mixed up (laughs) never know what you're gonna never know what to expect i think i stand by dog like that's such a weird way to describe what a dog would do with a pacifier because i think it would chew up <laughs> whatever it had right like or well, like if it's in its mouth it would chew dogs do nurse like they that they suck a, a teat and get that the dog milk from okay. it yeah. <laughs> i mean you could have just said dog's nurse and not understand what that means <laughs> I gotta really help you visualize it, Sam. So, like, Sam, there's nothing wrong. No, I know there's not, but I don't know. Yeah. So they obviously you just you gotta make the pacifier shaped like a a dog teeth, like a dog teeth. Okay. Cover Mm -hmm. it in sugar, and then they'll suck on it. And a cat doesn't care about Legos. Gonna walk straight through the Legos. You have Legos and a cat, and I have Legos and a cat. Inky has never shown any interest besides maybe eating them. Well, they're forcing them to walk across them. They're not. Uh, they're not like yeah. asking them nicely. They're saying, "Hey, here's a room full of Legos. Let's watch how you right. how you distribute your weight." From my experience with cats, I don't think they have the like presence of mind to make those kind of decisions. 
if they're shoved into a room full of Legos, I think they're going, what, 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 <laughs> just all the way across the room. They're not, mm-hmm. ch- they're like, they know what's up. They're like, you're testing me somehow and I'm not going to play along with this. I'm just yeah. going to skitter across the floor. I think I just got to go with the fleshing bacteria because it's just in, like, I can't think of anything else. Hank has sabotaged my brain. Right. I'm going to, just to separate us, go for the dog pacifier. But I also, like, I'm trying not to, be tricked by the flesh eating bacteria this uh-huh. this beacon this lighthouse uh and <laughs> so you're going for dog pacifier i'm going for dog pacifier i think yes. as a cat owner it's ridiculous to think that the lego thing would be a thing right well streptococcus pyrogenes g- genus causes strep throat but it can also cause flesh-eating disease called necrotizing fasciitis. Infection begins with the bacteria getting into the body through an opening in the skin where it can begin to attack the connective tissue around the nerves and muscles and other parts of the body. And early on in necrotizing fasciitis, the bacteria releases a toxin called streptolysin S or SLS, which activates pain neurons and causes a lot of pain. It also causes the neuron to release a peptide into the infected tissue, and that release prevents immune cells from being able to get into the tissue and attacking the bacteria. However, scientists found that they were able to protect the tissue in mice by adding Botox or another compound to block that peptide, allowing the mouse immune system to see the bacteria and take care of it. That was the true fact. Congratulations. What was the game theory behind this truth or fail? You got to ask Deboki. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Deboki's twisted game mind. (laughs) (laughs) As for story number two, you are right. There's absolutely no truth behind that. I think Deboki just wanted to look at cats sitting in Lego boxes. (laughs) But the first one, uh, we've not done this with dogs, but it was, this was inspired by a very real pain treatment for newborn humans that have to go through medical procedures, which is to coat a pacifier with sugar. So in a 1999 study assessing how well this worked, a team of researchers used crying, changes in facial expression, and other changes in newborn behavior to assess how well the sugar-coated pacifiers worked. And while the newborns were still experiencing pain, it did seem like the pacifiers worked pretty quickly, possibly just because it helped divert their attention. So they didn't like give them uh, like a painkiller in their pacifier. They just put sugar on the pacifier, shove it in their mouth. And they do the medicine, the medical procedure they need to do. It would be really cute if dogs had pacifiers, though. Somebody should invent that. Well, Sam, that means that you got your one point headed into the next round. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back for the fact off. Slasher Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money, a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I said it before, and I'll say it again. It's a subscription-based world out there. Video games, art-making programs, food delivery services, these things, they all have dang subscription services to subscribe to. And I don't want to cast aspersions? Dispersions? Aspersions. One of those. But... It does seem like part of the subscription uh, business model is to get you to subscribe to something and then hope that you lose track of everything you subscribe to and just keep forking out 10 bucks a month until the sun Mm -hmm. burns out. And you know what? That's actually a pretty good idea on their part, but it's not such a good idea for your wallet. Your money is like a bean. (laughs) (laughs) You want to plant it in fertile soil. You don't want people carving off pieces of your bean all the time. That bean's not going to grow. 
if there, if there's a constant drain on the beam, that <laughs> is where Rocket Money comes in. With Rocket Money, you can see all your subscriptions in one place, decide what you do and don't want, and cancel things with just a tap. Rocket Money will even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money. And beyond I mean, beans and beyond subscription canceling <laughs> rocket money helps you build budgets, track your spending and more. There's all kinds of ways to take care of those beans. So they grow into a nice big bean plant. It has over 5 million users and ha- it helps save members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. What would you do with 720 beans? I'd buy more beans. <laughs> <laughs> Different kind of bean, I guess. A cheaper, beans, more yeah. of a cheaper type you of bean. You buy cheaper beans with your expensive beans. <laughs> yeah, until I had an infinite amount of the cheapest bean you could possibly have. <laughs> Subscription <laughs> companies hate this one simple trick because you figured out their plot. And now you can use you- that money for beans instead. Stop wasting <laughs> money on things you don't use and start using money on things like beans. Cancel your <laughs> unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Factor, whose ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning. Stress is stressful. I don't like it. (laughs) Life just goes and goes, and it doesn't ever stop going. There's always something else to do. And one of those things is a very important thing called eating dinner. To eat dinner, one must pick out what they want to eat and then go to the grocery store and then buy the stuff and then chop the stuff and do other things to the stuff. You have to heat the stuff and put it in water. And then afterwards, you have to take the things that you heated it in and they're gross and you have to make them clean again. Meanwhile, life is still happening. That all all that's building up around you. Oh, this is terrifying. I'm so <laughs> I never want to cook again. <laughs> You're right, factor ad. I don't. I don't want to have this happen. This is unacceptable. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, parentheses, all the time, uh, you just don't have the time or the energy for meal planning on top of everything else going on in your life. So thankfully, Factor is here to help. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon come mealtime. You can get chef-crafted meals that are better for you and better tasting than takeout delivered right to your door. Ready to heat and ready to eat. No prep, no mess, no sink full of dishes, no stress. We're kicking stress out the door in 2024, and I certainly hope that's true for me. Heck yeah, Factor. <laughs> Kick my stress. Right out the door. <laughs> I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a chest freezer just for these meals. <laughs> Oh, you're going to need one because they have over 35 meals to choose from. Flexible ordering options, add-ons, smoothies. Factor offers all sorts of fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook. Banish your stress, even if it's just for like one hour while you're eating dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash tangents50 and use code tangents50 to get 50% off. That's code tangents50 at factormeals.com slash tangents50 to get 50% off. Welcome back, everybody. Get ready for the fact off. Our panelists have brought science facts to present in an attempt to blow my mind. And after they've presented their facts, I will judge them and award Hank Bucks to the one I think will make the best TikTok. But to decide who goes first, I have a trivia question. Legos 
are very painful to step on for several reasons. Our feet have a lot of nerve endings. Plus, Legos are able to withstand a tremendous amount of force before breaking, which means that when you step on a Lego, all the force goes into your foot. But Mm. more than one brave soul has decided to walk barefoot on Legos to see how long they can go for. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, the current winner was set on May 1st, 2021, by Sonny Molina. How far did Molina walk barefoot on Legos for? I imagine once you shut off your brain to the Lego feeling, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess it depends thing. on what kind of walk. If you can walk slow, if you have to run, it's going to be bad. But if you can ease the pressure in some way, I don't know. Or like like how people walk on hot coals. They get into a mindset. Yep. And then that just lets them do it. Well, let me, I'm like five feet. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like 20 feet. Okay, 20 feet. Uh, I will say, well, I, I'm going to say more than Terry, so I'll say 100 feet. Well, since we're operating feet, it was 29,000 feet. <gasps> How do they even get that many Legos? Yeah, they're expensive. <laughs> I, think maybe, I think it maybe was in a circle, and he just like went around and around. I'm not sure. That I don't see how else they could have done that. And apparently, it's real bad. The person who held the record before decided to not try and regain his record. He said, <laughs> I ended up going to the hospital and had over 100 oh microabrasions on both feet. I had no feeling in my feet for weeks. It was insane. So not not fun to walk five and a half miles on Lego. Oh, That's wow. I feel so like I've much. never heard anybody who had the record break be just or broken just be like, ah, fuck it. I'm out. No, not happening. Not <laughs> for me. Was, I, I, I have the plaque. They, they're not going to come take it away from me. Also, if you run a 10K, your friends are like, wow, congratulations. And if you're like, I stepped on Legos for 10 kilometers, your friends go, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That means that Sari, Sam, Sam, that means that Sam just gets to decide who goes first. Okay, I think I'll go first. Bugs, they can cause people a lot of emotional pain because they're gross. And in some cases, they can also cause physical pain. Uh, An ant's bite, a hornet's sting, etc. And because bugs are just sort of unpleasant to a lot of people and are also generally unhygienic, people do have a tendency to kill them in lots of horrible ways without really thinking about it all that much. But hey, they're bugs, right? They don't really have like advanced enough brains to feel all of the pain that we inflict on them, do they? Well, a study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences in July of 2020 has potentially challenged that rationalization. In the experiment that the paper's about, the researchers set up two feeders of different colors filled with sugar water, a yellow one filled with a 40% solution of sugar water, and a pink one filled with some undisclosed less amount than that. And let a series of bees feed on them one at a time. So once the researchers were good and sure that the bees knew that the yellow feeder contained the tastier drink, they put the yellow feeder on a heating pad and set it to 55 Celsius, aka 131 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, And that was, according to the lead researcher, equivalent to like if a human touched a hot plate, but apparently that's not like something that can permanently harm a bee. It's just real hot. And the pink feeder remained unheated. What they observed was that even though the yellow feeder was crazy hot, the bee still landed at and drank from that one instead of the less sugary pink feeder. And all that might make it sound like bees actually don't really process or care about pain, except that when they turned the heat off and put equally sugary mixture in both feeders, the bees would not go to the yellow feeder. Mm. So what the scientists concluded from this was that since the bees were learning that the yellow feeder hurt, 
They were using their brains to process the experience of pain and learn from it and making what's called a motivational trade-off, which is like a known way of processing and making decisions based on pain evidence that things that we know experience pain like human beings use. So the bees basically were doing the mental math to figure out if getting the old hot foot was worth eating better food. Uh, And this all adds up to suggest that bees can indeed feel pain. Uh, We don't know if they experience it the same way we do, but they seem to experience it and can form behavioral decisions around it. This is the first time that a motivational trade-off behavior was observed in a non-crustacean arthropod. uh, And in crustaceans, our sensitive, uh, lonely little friend, the hermit crab, also exhibited motivational trade-offs behaviors in a separate experiment where they were electrifying shells and making hermit crabs like move into electrified shells. (laughs) Um, And that study was enough to get crabs legally declared sentient in the United Kingdom. So some scientists hope that research like this will help us make decisions around things like insect-based research or insect farming that takes into account the welfare of insects, which is something that human beings traditionally aren't all that great at. So the next time you swat a mosquito or squish a spider... I don't I don't know what you should do. Sometimes you just got to kill a bug. So maybe just forget that I maybe just forget I even told you this. Great. Introduce the moral quandary and then just be like actually well, forget everything. Yeah. <laughs> no. Sorry, what do you have for us? There's a rodent that lives in the deserts of Mexico and the southwestern United States called the grasshopper mouse. And at first glance, it looks pretty ordinary. Its body is around three to five inches long. Mm. Its short fur is a sandy brownish white, and it has little paws and relatively big ears and eyes. But behaviorally, it's a little gremlin. And even though it's November (laughs) now, I have to squeeze in a little more Halloween. So grasshopper mice are nocturnal, and if one wants to verbally defend its territory, it gets up on its hind legs and releases a high-pitched howl scream, kind of like a wolf. This doesn't have anything to do with pain. It just looks very cute and weird. (laughs) But these mice can bite as well as bark. They're carnivorous and eat all kinds of crunchy invertebrates, like the grasshoppers that give them their name, along with crickets, beetles, tarantulas, centipedes, and scorpions. And the bark scorpion, in particular, has evolved painful and even deadly toxins. For example, humans stung by bark scorpions can experience tingling, numbness, and a sharp pain for one to three days. Proteins in the venom activate a sodium ion channel called, I'm not sure how to say this out loud, Na, so like the chemical symbol for sodium, Mm. and then a subscript V, which I assume means voltage or something like that, 1.7 in nociceptive neurons, which kickstarts the sensory pathway to tell our brain that something ouchy is happening. And in my understanding, when there's tissue damage, this 1.7 channel gets activated a little, but bark venom toxin can target it and activate it a lot. And when a grasshopper mouse gets stung by a bark scorpion, it barely notices and keeps attacking, trying to chomp its dinner. There's a lot we don't know, like why the deadly components of the toxin don't straight up kill them, but a 2013 study shed a bit of light on the pain piece. Specifically, animals have another sodium ion channel called NAV 1.8 that helps transmit the nociceptive signal after 1.7 gets activated, and the grasshopper mice have a two-amino acid substitution in their 1.8 protein that lets the channel grab and hold on to the painful venom toxin molecules, Mm. preventing the signal from being passed on. So in other words, even though the toxin is activating nociception in the 1.7 channel, it's also acting as a pain blocker at the same time 
in the 1.8 channel. So the mice don't feel it or any pain from other substances that the researchers experimentally injected them with, like formaldehyde. Mm. So while this isn't the only mammal that has weirdly intense pain resistance to something it eats, I believe this is the first instance of a mammal taking a toxin and turning it into a painkiller, all because of a weird nervous system mutation. So as long as this scorpion venom is in there, they can't like they can't feel any kind of pain? Yes, That's any kind of pain. Okay. So like Whoa. even though 1.7 gets activated because of, I don't know, an ouchie or formaldehyde, formaldehyde. gets injected or saline <laughs> yeah. solution, yeah, then... 1.8 being blocked still mm-hmm. removes that domino. So no matter whatever whatever knocks down that Whoa. first domino can't cause pain. That's wild. So so it's that's like enough to be a problem long term, but it's not forever. It's only after it's only like while they've been recently stung by a scorpion. They's going to berserker mode. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I would like wouldn't it be amazing if like if we were that mouse. Like if that mouse became people. They'd keep those <laughs> scorpions in their house to be like, to I got a headache. Them? Wink. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Give you a sting. And they do look really cool howling. They look adorable. Oh, the little, the little mice howling? Yeah. Yeah. That's also very good. Ah, uh, Sari, that's that's uh, very weird. So it's either bees making the motivational trade-off to drink extra sugary food even when it's painful, but knowing that it's painful and reacting to that pain, which means maybe they're sentient, or grasshopper mice blocking pain using scorpion venom. Oh, that's hard. People love bees. People love bees, but also these mice howl at the moon. Hey, why not both? You can never have too many ideas for TikToks. Right? (laughs) I gotta have to give it to the mice. Oh, oh no. I, I thought Sam was the clear winner. <laughs> uh, they're cute. And also, I like the idea of injecting myself with uh, being a large, sentient, uh, you know, sort mouse of civilizational man. mouse man. <laughs> yeah. Injecting myself with, Just, a, like, keeping a scorpion on the shelf or in the drawer. Yeah. It's a jar, jar, jar full of scorpions. And feeling no pain for a few hours. Yeah. And then just be like, oh, I'll get you back. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> My daughter's been abducted. Uh, oh. Liam Neeson. She's been taken. That's my Liam Neeson. That was your Liam Neeson? That yeah, that's right. Okay. And now we're going to move on to Ask the Science Couch. <laughs> uh, I don't know who that means won, though, because that's, that's a, that's, we're going to make it a tie. It's a tie. we got to move on. Congratulations wow, okay. on your tie, everybody. Thank you. And now we're going to move on to Ask the Science Couch. We've got listener questions for our finely honed couch of scientific minds. Amanda728 asks, is it possible that one pain kind of cancels out another pain? Like if I stub my toe, can I bite my tongue and take my brain off my toe? I do this. I don't know if that works. I also do this. I bite the inside of my cheek really. Like if I stub my toe, I bite the inside of my cheek really hard. Yeah. I I just, I put my fingernails into my palm. Or like if I have a really bad stomach ache, I'll do stuff like that. I'll just be like, I can't think about my stomach. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, a, like it's, it's not like to override the pain. It's just being know. like, I'm tired of this one. Let's give it a, let's, yeah, let's not think about it for a second. For a while. Sarah doesn't this is seem very to think this is a, I don't this do is a it. thing though. Huh. I think I'm the weird one now. You just, I, I you just like to suffer. This, yeah, I just suffer. I'm just like, uh, my pain. And then <laughs> lay down. Go get a scorpion. Yeah, yeah, go get go get a scorpion, step on it a little bit, yeah. go get some Legos. Yeah. No, I mean, but that's a completely separate question from whether it, it does anything. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. It does. Oh, I'll, I'll jump in. And so you, I, I didn't know this was a thing. It's called conditioned pain modulation or CPM. <laughs> and it is studied by neurobiologists, neuroscientists, and it's considered a psychophysical paradigm, which I think is interesting. It's like, how do you distract your brain from the body pain that's, that's happening? And I have linked a YouTube video in the show flow. It's 11 minutes long, but I watched it on two times speed to show a traditional like procedure for it. And to summarize it, it's usually you have a subject experience short bursts of painful things, whether it's a hot pad on their arm or a pressure point on one of their muscles, like a, a sharp pressure, or mm. sticking their hand in a cold bath or an electric shock or something like that, low voltage. And you have them rate their experience of pain for each one individually. And then you have them do two at once. And when they do two at once, repeated experiments have shown that their perception of pain drops in in the second one. So like by sticking your hand in cold water, the hot heat feels less painful or the the pressure pushed on your muscle feels less painful does that work for my emotions as well you know i <laughs> might as well uh, <laughs> so, uh <laughs> they have done studies on how distraction um mm-hmm. affects yeah. pain and that has a similar effect to doing two painful things at once so my recommendation here is to not hurt yourself more yeah if you're yeah in yeah pain. that's gonna be that's gonna yeah. be a big caveat to all of this yeah uh, don't take a cold shower that'll be probably a, e- equally as distracting as yeah don't anything that would actually damage tissue and you don't necessarily need it to be also painful so you don't need to distract from sadness with another sad emotion there's mm-hmm. research that is shown of like high cognitive intensity so i think in in many cases it's like doing puzzles or doing something that you're engaged in Mm -hmm. uh so you can't be zoning out and like half doodling you have to be focused on the thing then that can reduce your sensation of pain uh also heating pads (laughs) (laughs) nice heat yeah yeah anything to make you feel cozy yeah. Cozy and safe. If you want to ask the Science Couch your question, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShow Tangents, where we'll tweet out the topics for upcoming episodes every week, or you can join the SciShow Tangents Patreon and ask us on Discord. Thank you to at Occasional Katie, Ike on Discord, and everybody else who asked us your questions for this episode. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's very easy to do that. First, you can go to patreon.com slash scishowtangents where you can become a patron, get access to things like our newsletter and our bonus episodes and our Discord where you can ask us questions. Second, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. That helps us know what you like about the show and it helps other people know that too. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell people about us. Tell people us. about us. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Sam Schultz. Our editor is Seth Glicksman. Our story editor is Alex Billow. Our social media organizer is Julia Buzz Bazayo. Our editorial assistant is Tabuk Chakravarty. Our sound design is by Joseph Kunamedish. Our executive producers are Caitlin Hoffmeister and me, Hank Green. And we couldn't make any of this, of course, without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted.
But one more thing. Sea turtle shells are bony structures covered in keratinous scales called scutes with Mm. some nerve endings throughout the tissue. So when a sea turtle collides with the boat, it probably feels pretty freaking unpleasant. And besides the pain, its shell can get damaged so that air pockets form underneath the bone in what's sometimes called bubble butt syndrome. I don't like this. Oh, these it sound, it sound, they shouldn't have made it sound so nice. Uh, they shouldn't bubble have made butt it syndrome sound, sound so freaking nice. funny. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like fun, good butt. It does sound fun. <laughs> yeah. But these air pockets throw off the turtle's buoyancy and its ability to dive beneath uh, the surface of the ocean. Oh, no. So wildlife rehabilitators try to keep a close eye out for bubble butts on injured turtles because they probably won't survive long by themselves. Oh, do they literally do have a like bubble a, butt? A big booty or do they have, is it <laughs> just got microscopic? Like a, it's like a bubble under their shell. It's pretty oh. substantial. And you can see them like kind of tilt in the water because their uh-huh. buoyancy is all messed up. Sometimes the butt facts are sad. <laughs> we can have a funny, <laughs> painful butt fact. Oh, uh, we had the butt fact about the seals getting their butts eaten by 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 seagulls. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the baby seals getting their butts yeah. eaten. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 